Well, we're going to jump in this morning. I, uh, I'm going to, it's more of like a, this word is for me, really, <laughs> just to be honest. We've been in a series for the last three months based on our values here at Legacy Nashville. Our first value of this house is, come on, the presence of God. So we believe that nothing beautiful can happen aside from the presence of God, right? Right? Without Jesus, this thing makes no sense. Like, we're all just here. You're, like, looking at me. This is super weird. But without Jesus, like, none of this makes sense. But with Jesus, all of this makes sense. The way that we get transformed, the way that we do life, it all makes sense. Our second value is family. And we say that family is where you are loved into your purpose. And if you're at Legacy for more than five minutes, you're probably going to get in some way, shape, or form uncomfortably smothered by love or like a greeter at the door or us as we work out for real, for real, what it looks like to do family in a church context. So we love it. I love that when you show up, love can actually push you into your calling and what we do here on Sundays, worshiping God actually brings transformation in our lives that gives us courage to be missionaries throughout the week, right? To actually give our lives on behalf of the people that we're called to serve. And our third value is growth. And if you didn't get the chance to hear last week's message, please, please, please podcast it. It's very foundational to what we believe about growth here at Legacy. We say that growth for us, looks like growing as disciples when we participate in the great commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then we grow in disciples as we participate in the great commission, right? To go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. And so we're going to continue that conversation today. And like I said, this message is really for me, um, this is something that the Lord's been speaking to me consistently about for the last four to five years. Um, this is a life message for me, really. Um, but it all starts kind of with this wrestling match that I'll let you in on that I had with the Lord about four years ago, three or four years ago. And I... We had just kind of settled into doing church. When Lyle and I planted Iris, when he planted Iris and I came along and really helped us plant Iris, then <laughs> my husband's a missionary at heart, right? I'm like, I'm a missionary to America. I'm like, revival in the church. The church needs to understand their identity and like there's a value here, right? It's not just for us to be entertained, like God's here. So I just have this heart. So we, when we really solidified and did Iris and really said, we're going to plant this church, um, I wrestled, I wrestled and I said, God, I don't know how to grow anybody. I don't know how to grow anyone. People are just going to come in the door and they're going to leave and I'm like, not going to impact them at all. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so young. And I was like, Lord, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be a pastor. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do any of this. And the Lord um, so graciously told me, oh, great. Like, that's a really great feeling because you actually can't grow anybody. <laughs> and I was so furious with the Lord because I said, then why do you have me here? Like, what are we doing? Why does church matter? Why does it matter to have disciples and moms and dads in your environment that 
why does that any of it matter? You know, I was like, can we, are we just going to do like this round like thing where we do kumbaya and we like all sing together? If I can't grow anybody, what are we doing? And the Lord was like, yeah, like that you can't grow anybody because I, I that's not high graced humanity. And I was like, okay, you're going to have to explain that to me. And he brought me to probably one of my most frustrating uh, passages of scripture. How many of you get frustrated by the Bible when you read it? Yeah, and I, I, I would like to kindly say if you don't get frustrated with the Bible, you're probably not reading it enough because there's stuff in it that challenges the way that you think and the way that you do life, and that is so good, and it's so beautiful. And this is one of those passages that really challenged me, and this is our main text for the, for the morning, and it's Matthew 25, verses 14 through 29. We're going to read that whole passage, and it's the parable of the talents. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Jesus, thank you for being here. Holy Spirit, we ask that you administer to hearts. Lord, do what I can't do. Get on the inside. Bring transformation. Anything that I say that is not of you, let it fall away. But anything that is truly life, Lord, let it land. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to jump in at verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. Everyone say stewardship. Verse 17 so also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Does that sound familiar? You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who also had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him gently, You wicked and slothful servant. <laughs> you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what, I, what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. Verse 29 is a stickler for me. For to everyone who has will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken. Listen, listen. 
Sometimes we would say, we'd look at that, that verse and we'd be like, that's not Jesus. That master is some other master that's doing something else. And sorry, my teeth. And, <laughs> and it's just, that's not Jesus. Like, that can't be Jesus. But this is why the story is so offensive to me and why I've wrestled the majority of the last three years with this passage of scripture. I'm like justice oriented to a fault. Anybody else? I say my justice button is like from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, but like plus a one foot radius around. Like I'm like all justice and I need it to be fair and I need it to feel fair. And you better believe I can like pretty much pick out where there is an injustice happening. And I'm like, "Mm, something ain't right there. And to the point that it's offensive to other people, right? Uh, Especially other Christians. Uh, um, Maybe because they're better at doing this this thing than I am. But I'm like, it's got to be fair. God is fair. And here's the reality. God is not fair. God is good. He is not fair, and he doesn't have to be fair. Because he is the Alpha and Omega and knows the beginning all the way from the end. And he knows what the purpose of life truly is in a way that we don't fully understand. Don't get me wrong. God is just, okay? He's really good. And he's really just. But he's not fair all the time. And As I wrestled through, sorry, it takes me a while to get this one out because, I, like I said, this is actually a life message for me. And it's really tough to articulate the, like, breaking of myself that this message has brought me through over the last few years. But honestly, when we started this and I asked God or I told God, I can't grow anybody. And he's like, great, you can't. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And the Lord was like, well, every believer is called to grow. But the way we grow is slightly mysterious, and it's slightly supernatural. Um, And I had this idea, like, God, if you want people to grow, like, I just don't want to build something that puts a lot of pressure on people. Um, I am, like, uh, the most classic nine on the Enneagram in the history of nines on the Enneagram. I have a one wing, so I'm also slightly a perfectionist, so everything needs to be perfect, and I, wanna, I want everything to be fair, and I can hear every single side, and I was like, I just don't want there to be any pressure on anybody. I, like, for me, my happy place is just to sit down with you one-on-one and just be like, what brings you life, and how can I get involved with that? Because that's just like, that's me at my core. So to build something that feels like, and I, I, I mommed first service, just so you know. I'm a mom, and I can't separate that from anything that I do. So if you feel mommed, great. But <laughs> I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just, this is the reality. I, I never want to put pressure on anybody. And the Lord spoke so clearly to me, and he said, why do you feel like you have to be the one to put pressure on somebody? I was like, I don't know, because they're got to grow. Like, they gotta, they got to become something great for you. And he was like, right, for me. For me. And he's like, what if, what if I get to be the one that puts a little pressure on? <laughs> Some of you aren't going to like this. 
<laughs> but you don't, I don't have to grow you. I'm just responsible for showing up for you and sowing seed into your life that I believe is going to grow into a harvest for you. I can't make a good decision for you. Nobody can look at you and make a great decision for your life for you. Nobody can give you the revelation you need to actually go into the next season of your life. The Lord told me, Allison, I will always grow whatever seed you are willing to steward. So I have a question for you, and this is the title of my message today. Where are the stewards? Where are the good and faithful servants of God? And this isn't a popular, this is not a feel-good message. I'm in the sense of, I'm not like, you can do, like, this is going to be great, and this is how you're going to make more money. Like, <laughs> if you put these principles into place, probably will make more money. But God will put a demand on the seed that has been deposited into your life. Will you steward well what he's placed in your life? He is guaranteed to grow whatever you are willing to steward. Stewardship, the definition in the dictionary is this. Stewardship is the activity or job of protecting and being responsible for something. And my definition is, is stewardship is constantly, consistently showing up to the arena of life and being faithful to using the gifts that God has given to you. Everyone's talents look very different. It's easy for us to put it in like one frame of mind, like it's money or it's gifting or it's, um, you know, the place you live or, you know, whatever. But a lot of times it looks like those things plus like people, your family, your job, your car, um, your influence, but whatever it is that is your talent, everybody can pretty much think. you. Most people know what they've been graced for, right? Most of us are like, I kind of have an inkling of what I'm graced for. And if you don't, like, just think about the things that, like, annoy the snot out of you. And that's, like, probably what you're graced for, <laughs> bringing change and transformation there. But everybody kind of has an idea, okay, what what have I been given? And whatever that is, you have something within that space to actually return back to the master when he returns. Your growth hinges on your ability to steward whatever he has given you. And whatever he's given you to steward, he will add to along your journey. And that's the faithfulness of God. And in my own life, I can be honest and say that when we ventured in, I was 23 years old. And I was literally barely old enough to vote. I think I had just voted in like one election and one was like coming up that year that I could vote in. And most well-meaning people that were a part of our community were like, you're just so young. Like, I don't know if you're ready to lead. And to be honest, like within myself, you know, sure, I probably wasn't ready to lead. But I had this idea that God had placed something in my life and he expected, he expected something from me. And I know that there have been places in your lives probably where people have said, like, mm, like maybe you're, like, a little not ready for that or you're a little too young for that. But you're like, I got a word from God, and I've got to do something with this. 
And it doesn't matter where you start. You can't despise the day of small beginnings, right? There's something holy about that small beginning. That small beginning is holy. And it's for your benefit and it's for your longevity is a small beginning. That's, that's a seed, right? We've all had moments like that where people look at us and they're like, I don't know if you're ready for that. And you're like, I'm just following God and I'm just going for it. And I'm stepping out because I know that he wants something out of my life. And I'm going to do my best to steward what he's given me so that I can look at him in the eyes. And I can actually hear those words in eternity. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to say, I did. Here are my talents. I did everything I could with what you gave me. Stewardship is being faithful in the process. Before you see harvest, you invest yourself fully. That's stewardship. Stewardship isn't saying, okay, like once I see a seed pop up out of the ground, then I'll plant my next one, right? Farmers don't do that. They have seasons of planting and sowing, and then you wait. You wait because you understand that you can't grow that seed on your own. You have a responsibility to sow the seed, but for a harvest to actually happen, God has to shine the sun, and he has to send the rain, and he has to create an environment where a seed wrestles enough to come up out of the ground, right? It's our responsibility to understand that even though I don't see a harvest, I plant all my seed. I just, no, I just, I plant it all. I don't plant one seed every single time something bursts out of the ground. That's not how it works. That's not stewardship. Stewardship is like, I'm all in for you, Jesus. I'm giving everything I've got. And I might only have, you know, two seeds, but I'm going to give both of them knowing that there's going to be a harvest out of this. So if you're taking notes, here's my first point. (laughs) Growth starts on the inside. Verse 15 of this passage says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to one, or, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Ability is, ability is in here. And Lyle mentioned last week about teachability and how all growth begins in a place of teachability. Teachability signals to heaven what your ability actually is. Can you be trusted with the master's riches? And it all hinges on your attitude on the inside. Attitude actually is everything. Like what's going on on the inside is actually everything. And I know so many people, including myself for years, that was, I was adverse. I was literally like pained every time somebody used the word growth in a church context. And some of that's just because it's been mismanaged, right? Like that term growth has been mismanaged and it's, it's articulating what's happening on the outside, right? Like it's, it's, it's saying, okay, growth happens when we see it, but that's not biblical truth. Growth Growth starts on the inside of you, and growth is actually what happens on the inside of you um, in the sense of, like, you know, the, the sowing and reaping, right? You can only reap what you've sown, right? Same thing with growth. Growth isn't what happens on the outside. Growth is what happens on the inside. What happens on the outside, that's your harvest, right? Like, that's what, oh, that just proves to you, oh, man, this is what's happening on my insides. This is how I've stewarded well what the Lord has given me. 
Growth in the kingdom has always been a response to great stewardship. Kingdom growth, okay? Listen, kingdom growth. Growth is not what's seen on the outside. It's what happens on the inside. Stewardship is, is way more effective than earning, right? Stewarding something is way more effective for the long term than trying to earn something in your own strength. All stewardship and earning might look like the same thing from the outside. Trust me, it looks like the same from when it hits the outside, but the attitude is everything, and it will be proven in the long term, which which was the seed that was sown. You will know what happened. 100 years from now, if it was earning or if it was stewardship, if somebody said, I got to do this so that I can feel loved. I got to do this so that I can feel accepted. I got to do this so that I can earn the favor of God versus I'm going to be faithful to what God's given me. The trajectory can often look very similar in the front end. But in the long term, you see the difference, right? You see the difference. Somebody who's actually stewarded something versus somebody who's tried to earn something. Because earning always ends in, like, burnout, right? People just tank out. Just tank out at the end. And then you see people who have just stewarded. Like, they just did. They are faithful to what God gave them. Stewardship says, I know I can't grow on my own, but I can be responsible for my part. God gives seed to the sower, and he may plant it, but God has to send the water. He has to send the sun. Listen, it's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit because we actually need the Holy Spirit in order to bear good fruit. Right? If we could do it on our own, we didn't need the Holy Spirit. We could just be inspired by the words of Jesus, and we could actually, like, literally, Jesus was the most inspiring, loving person that ever graced planet Earth. And we could probably do a lot by just being inspired by him. But to actually bear real fruit, we need the Holy Spirit. Right? And that all starts on the inside. It's on the inside of you. It matters. Point two is how you steward what you are given determines your harvest. Verse 23 says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I want to tell you, like, you got to show up before you see growth. Stewardship requires that you show up. For me, stewardship could be exchanged with some of the fruits of the Spirit, like um, faithfulness, self-control, patience. You've got to show up in your life. You've got to show up for the people around you. You've got to actually steward the one, the five, the two talents that the Lord's given to you. You actually have to do that consistently. Like anybody can burn for a moment, right? We can all get like, come in here, we can worship God, and we're like, yes! And then by the time lunch is over, on Sunday, we're like so stressed out about our lives, and I'm like, y'all, I see you on Instagram. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with needing a Savior, right? We all need Him. But let Him, you know, just let Him. 
But there's this whole idea that you gotta show up and 1 Corinthians 4, one through two articulates this so beautifully. This is how one should regard us, meaning people outside of what this is. As servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God, but moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Family, your prayer life matters. Your faithful moments matter. Good stewards are faithful followers. Faithful followers are genuine friends of Jesus. They are friends of Jesus and they spend time with Jesus and they hear what he's doing and they wanna know more about him and they spend time in prayer. Your prayer life matters. I could not like articulate this enough. The reality is this. I, I know so many followers of Jesus who are burnt out because they don't spend any time praying. They don't spend any time in the presence of God. They don't even turn on worship music like throughout their day. They just like watch Netflix and are wondering why they're so depressed all the time. And I'm like, honey, like when did you look at the face of Jesus? Like it matters. It really, really, really matters. And if there's one thing, and I, I'm so gut honest about this, I can do nothing to transform you. I could get off of this stage. I could walk out of this room and I, I could do nothing, but Jesus can do everything. And this is my like serious, like heartfelt encouragement. Get in the presence of God. Do not hide your talents from the master. Do not hide them, bring them in front of him. Say, how do I do this? What do I do with this? I've been given five in this area. What do I do with this? I've been given two in this one. What do I do with this? Listen, how you steward what he's given you determines your harvest. If you don't see a lot coming up out of the ground, ask, your, ask yourself, what have I sown? What have I given? What have I sown into the ground? What have I planted for God to bring up? What have I invested of myself? Even if you start out with one talent, see, this is, okay, this is, this is where I start seeing God's goodness despite the fact that he's not fair. Even if you start out with one talent, you can steward it into 10 talents. I've seen people with five talents put them aside and never use them because they, ha they were talented and they just rested on it and they literally lost it. They lost it. They're like, I was gonna be, a, I'm, you know, I think about in high school, some of my friends who are like, I'm gonna be a worship leader and they're some of the most talented people I know. I'm gonna be a worship leader. I'm gonna give my life for God. And they had so much talent. They had so much calling and they rested on it and they lost it. And they're not even, where are they? I don't, they're, they're not even with the Lord. And there are people that I know that were just faithful and they had one talent and they could like pick a guitar a little bit and they just, they used it. They kept using it. And now they're 10 talent people and they lead worship at some of my favorite ministries like on the face of the planet and I'm like I know that they were a one talent person that stewarded into 10 and listen there's no such thing as an overnight sensation I don't care if you got five talents or you got two talents or you got one talent there's no such thing as an overnight sensation sure there's a one hit wonder we got those overnight sensations don't happen 
I don't care what Instagram tells you. I don't care what your uh, shame tells you. There's no such thing. It's overnight sensation. That person worked for six years, 10 years behind the scenes before they ever posted their first YouTube video, before they ever played in front of a crowd. They spent hours and hours and hours faithfully given to what God had given them. Just because you got one talent in an area that you have passion for doesn't mean you can't steward it into 10. Last point is this, stewardship is rewarded with responsibility. Verse 24 says, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you'd be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what's yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. I've seen people brace with five talents, bury them because it's just, they don't need to work on it. Okay, and I said this in first service and I'm gonna say it again. Uh, great example of five talents that we should not bury in the ground is uh, we all live in America. That's five talents, okay? None of us, none of us, unless a family member brought us in through adoption or we were graced with the ability to become refugees here, transition here. If you're born here, you didn't earn that one. That one ain't fair. And there's the rest of the world that is literally dying for the experience that you have here in America. And trust me, I know we are a mess sometimes. I know we are a mess sometimes, but we still got given five talents. And the fact that we're a mess is because we have been resting on the fact that we got five talents and we buried it aside. Instead of using those talents for the goodness of God to see the world transformed in the light of his goodness. Listen, it is serious. The way that you treat the world around you is important. You are blessed. We are blessed. We have been given so much for free so much for free there are other things that we got gifted one talent in but this is not one of those areas and we have the opportunity to steward those things and not bury them because the world needs to know our freedom and they need to know some of the experiences that we get to have like this we get to do this like y'all we get to do this this is so huge we get to be together and worship Jesus and five talents right there. Will you turn it into 10? Listen, this is where I'm going to get really mom and then we're going to close, okay? Bear with my momness. Let, millennials, it is time to be responsible. I can't speak for anybody else because I am a millennial, so I'm going to speak for me and my peoples. But if it hits you as true too, if the shoe fits, the shoe fits, okay? It's time to be responsible. Jesus expects a harvest from what he's deposited into our life, okay? He expects something from you. I'm not putting, I, listen, I'm not putting a ton of pressure on you because like that would just like break my heart kind of, but I would be more brokenhearted to think that you walked out of this room not knowing that God expects something out of your life. And not because he like needs you to do anything great for him, but because you are him walking the earth as God's pardon. Without you, his message and his love don't get to the people that need it the most. 
Responsibility is part of the normal Christian life. Protecting what God has given you is part of the normal Christian life. Assuming care and protection over God's people is to be important in our lives. If we're going to grow in disciples, we're going to have to take responsibility for the people God has planted in our pathway. God will always grow what we steward. Listen, I told this to first service and if I can have five more minutes of your time, we'll be good. But I told this to first service, starting small and ramping up is not a bad thing, okay? And like I said, a day of small beginnings is not a bad thing. It is for your safety. Listen, anything that grows quickly, you have to grow to meet it. So I've seen a lot of people say, oh, I want my business to explode. You know, oh, I want my church to explode. Oh, I want my social media to explode. I don't, oh, I want, you know what I mean? My finances to explode. Listen, you have to carry it. You have to carry it. Growth and stewardship is rewarded with more responsibility. That is the kingdom. The kingdom does not get, I mean, like I said, it's not a feel good message. I want it to feel good, but because that's my nature. But listen, the kingdom is not all about like making your life more padded and comfy and like fluffy, right? There are people dying. Okay, that's serious. Sorry to get really serious. The kingdom is there so that we take more responsibility for the people that need love and the people who need affirmation and the people who need to know Jesus, the real Jesus. And so if you want something to explode, like get more surrendered in here, get more teachable in here, part with little, steward your little. When somebody asks you to tithe, it matters. Listen, this is stewardship. This is stewardship 101 built right into the kingdom. Give 10%. Give 10%. It's why it's a test because it shows you a lifestyle surrendered saying, I'll steward my little and see what God will do with it, right? He always multiplies things that break, things that are broken. If you feel broken and like, God, I can't really give you much right now. He loves, loves, loves to grow that place. And so this morning, I wanna remind you that growth is available to you. And whether you walked in here feeling like, I got five talents, I got 25 talents, I feel like I only got one talent, it doesn't matter. That is the beauty of the gospel right there. It's not always fair, but it's always good. And just because you walked in the door, maybe feeling like not 100% yourself, doesn't mean you can't leave bigger than you walked in. And it's all about how you steward what God puts into your life. I'm serious, I'm serious, I'm serious. You cannot miss the stewardship piece. You can't grow on your own. You can't force yourself to grow. Like no seed sits in the ground and is like, I'm gonna grow, I'm gonna grow, I'm gonna grow, I'm gonna grow. Like they would be lost without the sun. They would be lost without the soil. They would be lost without the rain. They'd be lost without it all, but they just have to be patient in a place of surrender, understanding that God's going to pull a harvest out of that little seed. So what's your little seed? What are you stewarding? What are we stewarding as a church? pray throughout the week. God, what are we stewarding as a family? What are our gifts, talents, things to steward, things to see God multiply in? Growth, growth is yucky when it's in our own strength, okay? Growth is beautiful when God does it, and it lasts for all of eternity. So let's stand this morning. We're going to sing a song of worship as we go out, but I want to ask you that question again. 
where are the stewards? Where are the good and faithful servants that are going to be willing to look the master in the eye like a kindergartner coming home from school? Look what I did. I did it. You know, I did my part. I painted my picture. I did the best that I could. God does not expect you to do something in your own strength that he's going to do for you. Okay, this is not something that we just try to do and we're like forced to do. And we're like, if we don't do it, we're like going to hell or something. Y'all, this is all about a relationship with the person of God, the Holy Spirit. But this is everything for all of eternity. If we don't catch this piece, there are gonna be people who miss it. God's grace is big enough so I don't actually always believe that people miss it, but how much more wonderful would it be if they could be part of a family with us? They could be part of our lives together. So Jesus, we love you. We repent from any places in our, our lives where we've been apathetic to the demand that you've put on our lives. We know that we can't do it in our own strength. That's the grace of God. We know that we can't do it in our own strength because that's what the Holy Spirit is for. But God, we commit to do our part, to show up, to be faithful, to always give 100% of whatever you've given us. You don't demand anything that you haven't put into our lives already. So God, we love you and we respect every seed, every talent. We honor it with our whole lives, God, with our whole lives, and we give it back to you as a harvest. We give it back to you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.